0: Can you imagine what it would be like to receive a direct inflow of divine love? Turns out, you have an inward connection that does just that. But don't worry if this feels impossible to perceive. We explore how life is designed to lead us into a greater sense of this love, right now inside Off the Left Eye. Knock, knock. Chelsea Odner here, and I've got Curtis Childs with me. Is the doctor in?
1: Hey, doctor. We just want to take a moment of your time. Hey, the doctor is in. Come on in. Have a seat. Yes. Lovely to see you both.
0: Thank you. Oh, love getting to come here week after week and get to hear what you've come across in your editing work.
2: Yeah, just grabbing a couple crumbs from your table is the highlight of our week.
0: I know, really fills the belly.
1: It's very fun for me, and we're we're still finding gems in the um, in the mining of Secrets of Heaven Volume Four, woo, uh, which is not too long before it comes out. It, it's it's on its way, so I'm very excited to present this to people.
0: Yes, this year,
1: the three quotes that I picked for today, don't have that much in common with each other. They're all just things, frankly, when I encounter passages like this, I just write the word mind, and then period, and then blown, and then period.
0: (laughs) Good, some mind blowers. These
2: are are the mind blowers, okay. (laughs) It's the new, what, what did Swedenborg write in his margins? N-B. Oh, yeah,
0: note bene, NB. NB,
1: NB, NB. N-B. That's, that's, right. that's Swedenborg <laughs>
0: saying, mind blown, mind blown, mind blown. That's right.
1: <laughs> that's the equivalent for sure. <laughs> the
0: 18th century Latin equivalent.
1: So, the first uh, passage, if you picture kind of a grid with two columns and two rows, and the top of the column on the left says mercy, and the one on the right says truth and then you picture the top row says heavenly and the bottom row says spiritual, we're gonna hear how heavenly people view mercy, how they would define mercy and how they would define truth and how spiritual people might define those two terms differently than the heavenly, even even though they're both sort of angelic perspectives. So here, here we go more about this truth that means charity. The very earliest people who were heavenly, so they were talking about the top row there, understood the mercy and truth worked by the Lord in them to be simply an acceptance of the love for the Lord and the resulting charity toward others that flow into a person. So if I could hit pause there for a second, under the mercy box for the heavenly, he seems to say it's acceptance of love for the Lord that's flowing in. Yeah. Strange definition. And under the truth box, it's charity toward others.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Like how to treat other
2: people. I thought charity towards others was love, but for the heavenly people, that's truth.
1: It's strange. I know. Yeah. And if you know Swedenborg's sort of, you know, binary system or something, that you usually don't cross that line uh, from from love to truth. They're they're connected with each other, have a relationship, but they aren't usually equivalent to each other.
0: Yeah, and he kind of already got himself into that tangle because the very first thing you said was the truth that is charity or something. So
1: hey, good catch! <laughs> you caught that.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Now we're going to hear about the spiritual. So that lower row. The ancients who were spiritual understood the mercy and truth worked by the Lord in them to be charity and faith.
0: The reason
1: for the discrepancy is that heavenly people never thought about matters of faith or truth, but about matters of love or goodness. This can be seen from previous remarks about heavenly people. And charity for their neighbor introduced heavenly people into love for the Lord when they were being reformed and reborn.
0: What? Okay. You said that about the heavenly people?
1: Yes. Okay. And then Swedenborg kind of weighs in and guess which side he comes out on. He says, it is plain then that the mercy done by the Lord actually means... A perception of an inflowing love for him, and that truth actually means a perception of an inflowing charity for our neighbor that results from it.
0: Oh, my gosh. Excuse me while I pick my jaw up off the floor.
1: You see why I wrote mind blown? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Did you ever say what number this was? I know we always put it in the episode notes usually, but...
1: This is number three, one, two, two.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah.
2: So their mercy is so high up the chain that their truth is what most people's love is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I love that just in both cases, it's talking about the mercy and truth that the Lord works in us, or like there was something about in each case, there was this like something going on inside of us that that I I just think that's interesting. So often we think about mercy or truth being these things that we interact with or act on outside of ourselves. But this really sets it of like, it's coming in into us, and then it flows out of us from there.
1: I knew it was going to be fun to talk to you about this, because already what you're saying is giving me new insights into this passage.
2: And nowhere on the grid is there some phrase that's equivalent to the Lord staying his anger at you and instead showing you kindness when he could be angry at you. Isn't that what mercy <laughs> usually yeah, means? I'm right. not hearing that anywhere. In no. Mercy, the Lord's mercy is love that flows into you, that you feel, that you feel for for what is right and good, mm. uh, otherwise known as love for God.
0: Right.
1: The idea that this conversation is giving me is that uh, I-, I have tended to view truth almost sort of like a lump of data or like, um, you know, it's some some truism, some great spiritual fact or, or, or something. But this is sounding very... Um, uh, communicative yeah. like when he talked about the reason the heavenly view it that way is that A they don't even want to talk about truth B the thing that they fill in in the truth box is what leads them to the mercy box right it's the yeah. you know it's the love the charity for their neighbor that leads them to love the Lord which makes you think oh well what truth really is hmm. what it really is is what gets you to that left hand column wow and that would that would
2: hold up in the in the second row because if spiritual people are primarily focused on the, the facts yeah. the, the, fa- the factoids of faith the the lists of commands and things those ostensibly are leading them to a love for their neighbor that seems to be the the teaching of jesus so i think you you see that swimming upstream that where mm-hmm. that place too
1: yeah, that's right. And and the fact, as you said, Chelsea, was that this is something that the Lord is working in people, mm-hmm. also has a communicative piece to it. Yeah. You know, mercy is something going from A to B. Truth is something going from A to B. And that we receive those things. I just amazes me.
0: This is exactly the kind of thing, that Swedenborg writes about that keeps me coming back to his works as this wellspring of spiritual insight and information, because it's like what you just, what we just covered is not just something to remember or like, okay, memorize. This is what heavenly people do. This is what spiritual people do. It's like, this is usable information. Like I can take these ideas of this, love and how it acts in us and everything. I feel like I can use this. There's this practical application in my life that I can take with me. So that's awesome.
1: So this next uh, quotation is from 2917, and it addresses a question that I've often had, which is, um, what is spiritual nighttime and how do you know whether you're in it or not? Quite a short quote. The Lord emerges from night and rises again in us when we acknowledge Him. Until then, we experience nighttime because we cannot see Him. He rises again in everyone who is reborn.
0: I feel like just connecting that back immediately with the last quote about mercy and how mercy is this inflowing of love inside of us and perceiving that, that I feel like I can take that and connect it right away to this quote. That's like, yeah, if you're like daytime or the sun rising is remembering that or coming back into a, to, to being able to sense that, you know, really understand that that's there. Um, that's awesome.
2: I like how it says acknowledge and then see because when it first said acknowledge, I wasn't quite sure what does that mean. When you acknowledge the Lord, you say, "Okay, I think that Jesus Christ exists, or that He is God." But then, in the second part of it, when it says that we we see Him, I get that that when when it when it's when well, you can tell that that God is there, it's daytime, and certainly the the landscape that that follows that acknowledgement around is seeing life from the perspective that God sees it from. So when you're thinking about your own life and where it's going and other people and what's their relative value, you know that God's there kind of looking over your shoulder. So you think about it differently. I certainly see those two different phases distinctly in me.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: And I think it's no criticism of us if we happen to be in nighttime, it's just a natural cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great, yeah.
1: And it can be overcome, you know, those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Mm. But I love the simplicity of it somehow to say, oh, I see.
2: Man, I was, I was wanting to see some African wildlife on a webcam. Because you can tune into those, they have them like by watering holes (laughs) there. And I turned it on and it's the middle of the night. Like what is wrong with Africa?
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's the middle of the night because when it's the middle of the day for me, that's when Africa has its (laughs) night, of course. Everybody's got to have night.
1: And it's so typical of Swedenborg in a wonderful way to take something like the resurrection, which seems in every way like something that just Happened once, one and done. And to Ooh. say, well, no, there's a version of that that happens in every single person, different times, in different ways. And so there's such a thing as the Lord rising in us. I
2: felt a little pang
1: in my heart for all of
2: those people that are waiting for the literal return of Jesus. And people who have made these predictions about when it's going to happen and they center a lot of their energy around this idea that Jesus is coming. And when I heard that passage, I was thinking, Hey, there he is. You, you can get him right there. He's, he can be right inside you. Right. It, you you can have it. The thing that you're longing for and have been longing for your whole life, maybe it's right there.
1: It's right there. I don't know. It just hit me.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I love that. That's great.
1: And this third quote from 2768, uh, these are all from Secrets of Heaven, volume four. Uh, really gets to what's been called the problem of evil, you know, the age-old dilemma mm-hmm. of why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people or to any kind of people if there's a loving God? Is he either, you know, too weak to do something about it or he doesn't care or, or what? you know, how would you explain this? So I love this passage. It's about that... Um, Part of Genesis where God tests Abraham by almost having him sacrifice his own son?
0: Oh, exciting. Nice. I'm I so sound says, excited because <laughs> because I'm working on an article uh for our magazine that is coming out in the fall that is about this um topic. So
1: Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. So not
2: just general sacrifice enthusiasm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm not just a sacrifice enthusiast. (laughs) My favorite subject. (laughs) To say that God tested Abraham is to speak in harmony with the literal text, which ascribes our times of trial and other hardships to God. To speak in harmony with the inner meaning, though, is to say that God never tests anyone. At such times, in other words, when we're going through experiences like that, he is constantly delivering us from our struggles so far as he can, which is to say, so far as freeing us does no harm. At the same time, he's constantly focusing on the goodness to which he can lead us when we're being tested. Otherwise, he would never consent to it. Although it is fair to say he allows us to be tested, his permission does not work the way we think it does. That when he allows something, he approves of it. Humans find it impossible to grasp that any of us could permit what we do not will, but it is the evil in us that causes this. (laughs) It is also the evil in us that brings on our crises for which God is not in the least bit responsible.
2: That's great. Hmm. It paints this important picture, I feel like, of what's the emotional orientation of God that we know anytime we're suffering, what's God feeling is, I want to get you out of there. I'm going to get you out of there. Whereas when you think that God is testing you, you might think that sometimes God is feeling... Well, you've got to go. I, I, am going to punish you for a little while, and then I'm going to, always God is saying, I'm going to get you out of there. I'm going to get you out of there. And the only time that God won't get us out of there is when it would cause harm to get us out of there, because it's not really getting you out of there if it if it hurts you. If you were trapped in a thicket or something, and you said, "Get me out! I need to get out," and they said, "Okay, I can pull you out, but it's going to pull all your arms and legs off." You oh, yeah. wouldn't be like, "Okay, do it. Get me out." you would say, wait till you untangle me enough that you can get me out. So that it's the same emotional, it's the same emotion. It's still God saying, I'm going to get you out as quickly as we can. Um, so I think that's, that's important.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting to think of it as that like harm reduction scenario of like, it's, he wouldn't want it to, you said something about freeing us. Like if it, he won't free us if it's going to cause harm And I find that so fascinating and so useful. I don't know. I just find that like humility helps a lot when we're going through struggles is just thinking, knowing like we don't see the bigger picture. Like we're not, we have a very myopic narrow view when we're, when we're suffering and like to just not trust the way that things seem (laughs) when we're suffering and going through a spiritual struggle. Because like, if you can just at least hold on to that, that it's like, yes you can it's in the moment it's hard to imagine but a part of me is like yes when I hear you read a, a passage like this of like uh God is always doing this delivering work and and there's a bigger you know dynamic going on that that I am being saved from this thicket without losing my limbs you know and whatever and that's like oh it doesn't feel good but it it really is I feel like there's a part of me that kind of nods its head <laughs> it's like yep that that makes sense
1: it helps so much I agree with you because when you're in that state you just feel that your pain is at a 10 you know that, like nothing could be worse mm-hmm. and you this has and the only good thing would be for it to stop Uh, We really lack imagination that, no, there could be something (laughs) worse than this, (laughs) which would be not getting the benefit. And some of that is, as you say, that that humility and compassion for other people, because this is the human condition. We we Mm. go through these things. And so I, I do think that's so wonderful. And it's so great to have somebody reveal it, because for various reasons of the rules of communication and so on. God can't just tap us on the shoulder and say, oh, look, believe it or not, you know, <laughs> it would be worse if if you weren't going through this right now. And I'm mitigating it in a hundred ways that you have no idea about. Yeah. But thankfully, somebody went to the spiritual world and can tell us, oh, hey, guess what? There's, there's more to the picture than you're seeing.
2: But there's a back exercise that I do that I really hate. And every, I do it, it's like sets of a minute on each side. And when I'm in it, I'm thinking, I just really don't want to be doing this. But I absolutely overall do what I wouldn't not want to be doing it because it's it's making my posture better. It's making it feel better to sit up and everything. So I think it's like that where it's not even like if you were not in this particular temptation. You'd be in a worse one, but it's your life overall. If you could see the whole picture, you'd say, oh, yeah, for sure, I'll grip my teeth for another 20 seconds and do this. That, that's that's yes. absolutely what I want to do.
1: Mm.
0: Yes. Yeah, to sort of appreciate where it's leading you, what what's around the bend that you just can't see. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah, definitely this collection of numbers about mind blowing is is correct. <laughs> I feel like it's been quite a journey. <laughs> it's nice to have that like, you know, that mercy and this like love within us. Then we went through the nighttime and now we're go- you know, not even touching on the it looks like you're alone, but really God is delivering mm. you. This this has felt like quite a journey. So, thanks for having us, Jonathan.
1: Thank you. And I see from what you're saying that they're more connected than I thought. Yeah, right. <laughs> They, they are, are more unified and such a beautiful message. And I was very excited uh, at the thought of sharing these with you. And it was even better than what I was expecting because I knew the two of you would have wonderful things to say about these passages.
2: Yeah, thank you. My, my mind is blown like blown glass into a new <laughs> and wiser shape.
0: It really is lovely. It kind of has a shine to it, too. (laughs)
2: Oh, is it sticking out? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that means you'll let us come back another time, huh? Indeed. All right, awesome. Well, I look forward to then. I hope your heart was uplifted and your mind inspired by this week's NCE Spotlight. Subscribe to the Inside Off the Left Eye podcast to tap into this stream of fresh insights and join us on our excursions into the historical context of Swedenborg's life and works. All passages quoted in this episode are sneak peeks from upcoming volumes of the New Century Edition translation of Secrets of Heaven. If you've benefited from the work of the Swedenborg Foundation through Off the Left Eye and the New Century Edition, consider supporting us with a donation. We are a nonprofit and depend on the support of our donors. To give, go to swedenborg.com slash donate. And thank you for listening.